Can you go through criteria what the NYPD uses to determine who belongs in the database again? Yep. Yo, this drum is like mad lit on here. Yo, hey, yo, yo. Hey, yo, what's the deal? What's the deal? Yo, what's the deal? What's the facts? It's going to be real on here. Yo, what's up, Bobby, right now? First criteria is self-admission. Whether it's social media names, website address, not only is that kept, the entire page is preserved so that we can, during the review process, pull it up and say, this is why this person was entered in. It's NYPD's gang database. It's what many are calling Stop and Frisk 2.0. This is an undercover cop. And according to Legal Defense Fund, this is a problem because this can be considered evidence. I believe it's important for me to unequivocally state that our efforts against gangs are not the new stop, question, and frisk. This is Marnie Lennox, an assistant counsel for the Legal Defense Fund. She's working on litigation against the NYPD and their use of a gang database. We spoke to her to get a quick rundown on what's happening and why they think every New Yorker should be concerned. So we at LDF actually filed a lawsuit against the NYPD for its gang database practices for failure to turn over information that we had asked for, public records related to its database. Um, and we did this in large part because of the testimony that the NYPD provided at their city council hearing. I want to focus the remainder of my remarks on one critical, though often misunderstood, element of our gang strategy. This is a city council hearing in New York City. And the topic that's on everyone's mind today is what many activists are calling Stop and Frisk 2.0, gang, gang databases. Here's some of the things you should know about how NYPD determines the gang affiliation that really touch on the root problem everyone is talking about here. So first and foremost, I think it's important to know that no one is actually notified when they are designated a member of a gang or a crew, which means that there's no way for a person who is in the NYPD's gang database to push back. That is hugely problematic, and it's a violation of individuals' due process rights. So we filed two separate FOIL requests, one in December of 2017 and one in February of 2018. And the one in February of 2018 requested information that was more closely related to the due process concerns about the NYPD's gang database. In order to see if there are any violations, they had to first look at a simple question. How does NYPD identify gangs? And so one of the things that we requested was all of the policies, procedures, manuals, trainings, anything in writing that the NYPD had. The reasoning here is that there is virtually no exact way to identify actual gang members. And even then, it gives no indication of whether they have or will commit a crime. Why? Because you don't have to commit a crime to be on a gang database. You don't even have to be suspected of committing a crime. What we were told is that that criteria doesn't exist, that they had that they had no such written materials to provide us, or that after an exhaustive search, they couldn't find anything. In other words, the NYPD is saying they know how to identify gang members. But when the Legal Defense Fund asked how, the NYPD responded, we don't know. The criticism, however, is that NYPD's definition of gang members is far too broad. You then see Chief Shedd testify at the city council hearing that they have very specific criteria that they use to designate individuals as gang members. Self-admission of gang membership being identified as a gang member by two independent reliable sources or social media posts. Possession of gang literature, having gang tattoos, being at a gang location, associating with other gang members, flying gang colors. Like red, blue, green, yellow, black, white, gray, purple. So if I'm standing at a corner store with the color reds on and it's a known 
color red and it's a known gang location, I could be entered into that database. It is possible. That there's only certain people who can input an individual into the gang database. Only a precinct field intelligence officer, a gang detective, or an investigator in the social media and... And, and that there's a very robust procedure for removing individuals from the gang database. Meaning the NYPD claims the procedures are fail-proof. On the 23rd and 28th birthday, there is an automated process set up. That individual will be entered into a queue where there is a forced review by a supervisor. So there's something special about your 23rd and 28th birthday, or I mean, why those numbers? And what if you're 18? I mean, would you remain in it until you're 23? So, or, or, yep. or if you're a minor? That's um, a good question. So every three years, you'll be reviewed. This is just the automated piece. Automated queue. You see him testifying that there are only certain people within the NYPD, certain units within the NYPD, who actually have access to the gang database. The database can only be accessed by NYPD personnel. It does not show up in a person's criminal history or rap sheet. So if someone perhaps is arrested for unrelated conduct to gang violence, would you alert the district attorney that they're in the database? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, on, a, on a daily basis, we interact with the district attorney throughout New York City, as well as uh, special narcotics part and federal prosecutors. It does not show up in a person's criminal history or rap sheet. February 15, 2011, I was locked up with 15 other co-defendants. I was the only female. We're generally talking about individuals that are out of school. Uh, we're not talking about school-aged children here. The indictment was over a course of two years, so from when I was 15 to 17. And I was charged with conspiracy in the first and second degrees and criminal possession of a weapon. I lived on 138th Street, and they said we were part of the 137th Street crew, which doesn't exist in Harlem. The reality was, in the indictment, there were maybe three or four people that actually lived on that block, but the majority of us lived in different parts of Harlem, different avenues. And the thing is, I knew all of them because we were friends. We grew up together. That was my block. That was my neighborhood. I went to the corner store there, restaurant, so it wasn't like, you know, I was hanging out with them 24-7. We just, that's just how it is when you know people. That's just, that's family, that's neighborhood. They didn't tell us why we were arrested the first two days. They said it was the secret grand jury incitement, so we couldn't know why we were being arrested until we got to the courtroom. I get to the courtroom and there's cameras. I'm scared because I don't know why I'm there. My bail was really high. I didn't know what conspiracy was, but I always knew that conspiracy is worse than actually committing a crime, especially for a person of color. Luckily, I had a really strong community network, which is rare. I think even for me growing up in general, just I was really uh, attached to my church. So they offered to bail me out, and even when I tried to get bail, my judge denied it because they did not want me to come home. Their idea was that I was going to get locked up, I was going to be facing this bail issue, and then because I was going to be under pressure, I would cooperate and the case would be done. That was it. That wasn't the reality. I think that's a, a, a longer <coughs> discussion than here um, in terms of, I, I could tell you definitively. But you just, you just gave an example where the fact that someone is in the gang database yes. could make a significant difference in how that case is prosecuted. And you know what? If that person is a gang member, it should. You don't, you don't need to, to run away from that. We just need to acknowledge it. After several loopholes and a lot of different things the judge wanted to be done, I was able to get bailed out. I came home, returned to high school, and then I was finally given this last minute offer, literally on a Friday. I had to go in on that Monday to spend the rest of my three months and then still do five years on probation. Africa's story is an exception. Out of the other 19 defendants in her case, she served a small sentence. Her ex-boyfriend, on the other hand, served 20 years. Her case was followed by larger gang takedowns in New York. In May of 2016, 
the NYPD executed a mass arrest of 120 alleged gang members, the largest in its history. You want to find out if you're on the database, submit a request. All the links below for more YouTube channel. Also, if you really like us, why don't you consider supporting us on Patreon? Yes, Patreon. Yeah.